Hi, everyone. It's Allison Taylor, host of the Everybody's Gotta Eat podcast. I am so happy that you're listening in today. I appreciate all of my listeners and all of your support. I also want to mention, if there's anything that you want to hear from me, please write to me. I will put my email in the show notes. And the show notes are located as you scroll down underneath where you play this podcast. On today's episode, I really want to talk about kids and how they eat and how we can get them to eat healthier or how we can get them to eat in general. First, I want to say, like with most things in life, it's trial and error. And as parents, I feel like we are facilitators of healthy eating and we have to try really hard not to come from a place of anger or frustration because our kids, of course, can always sense that. And we want to set our kids up for a healthy relationship with food. I think a big part of that is always remembering that kids are human just like us and we have days where we don't have an appetite or nothing sounds good or we don't really know what we want to eat and we have to give our children space and grace for those times where okay we just fed this to them two weeks ago and now they don't want to eat it. There could be many reasons for that And that's really where patience needs to come into play. And the flip side of that is knowing that your kids really do have to eat in order to have energy for the rest of the day without being grumpy or irritable. My husband and I talk about this all the time, but it is such a balancing act. I feel like parenting is all about balance, all about setting your kids up for autonomy and independence, while also knowing that kids don't always know what's best for them and that as parents, we are always trying to do what's best for them. And so it can be really, really difficult to know, okay, do I make my kid eat everything on their plate? Do I let them take one bite and then that's it, but then they're asking for a snack 10 minutes later? It is such a balancing act. And it can be really hard as moms to deal with that day in and day out because although we are supposed to keep our feelings out of it, we are also human. And so we have feelings, we have frustration, we have feeling defeated, and we put all this work into making dinner and then nobody wants to eat it. It's really difficult. And so that's where we have to try our hardest not to feel offended, not to feel frustrated, to just give our children's space to be little human beings with feelings of their own about food and eating. We cannot, as moms, equate whether or not we're a good mom based on if our kids are eating the food that we make. And especially for me, feeding my family and cooking for my family feels like an act of love. And then when my kids don't want to eat what I made, it's really hard not to take that personally. But I have learned that They have their own days, they have their own minds and their own bellies, and we can't put that much pressure on ourselves or our kids. And here's another thing. At the end of the day, it's just food. It doesn't determine your worth. We just got to get some food in their bellies. And so for me as a mom, it's day by day. There are times where my kids aren't eating, and I ask them, what is your body telling you? Listen to your body. I think it's really important for kids to take ownership of that. But if I think that they haven't eaten enough, then I will say, okay, let's eat all of the protein on your plate. Or, okay, let's eat all of the green on your plate. Or let's eat the rice because you need some energy. 
anything to help them have ownership so they get to find all of the protein pieces, all of the pieces of chicken on their plate. They're taking ownership of that. Yes, you are telling them that they have to eat that, but it's their job to find all those pieces. Here are some things that I've done over the years to help my kids make healthy choices and to just help my kids eat what they need to eat. So I mentioned earlier how important it is for kids to have ownership over what they eat. And a big way to facilitate that is to let them help or let them choose. And so you can let them help stir or mix in the kitchen when you're making dinner. I know that dinner time is really stressful and you're just trying to cook quickly so you can get it on the table. But even if you let them stir one little part, they feel like they have contributed and they're going to want to eat the meal that they helped prepare. And then at the grocery store, you can let them choose. You can ask them, what vegetables should we get to have for dinner? They feel that ownership and they want to eat what they have chosen. I will sometimes ask my kids, what should I make for dinner next week? And they'll come up with something. And I'll say, oh, okay, perfect. That meal doesn't have a vegetable. What vegetable should we have with that meal? And they get to choose the vegetable. And then when I make it, they remember that they chose it and it makes them want to eat it. Another important thing to remember is kids can get really overwhelmed, so keep it small. And that means making sure you're not overfilling their plates or their bowls, because just seeing the amount of food that they have to eat can be really overwhelming and it makes them just give up altogether. And we have to remember that their bellies are way smaller than ours and their serving size is not the same as adults. And then it's also important, especially for the smaller kids, to cut up their food into smaller pieces and make sure it's actually bite size. Because if they're seeing a huge piece of broccoli on their plate, that's too intimidating and you might find that they don't try to eat it at all. But if you cut it up into smaller pieces, it's more likely that they're going to eat it. I'm going to talk more about this in next week's episode and give you more tips and tricks that have helped me over the years, so be sure to tune into episode 5 next week. Okay, it's time for me to share the meals for week 4. On Monday, we have barbecue Swiss mini burgers with ranch potato salad. On Tuesday, we have fish tacos. On Wednesday, sushi meatball bowls. On Thursday, chili with cornbread biscuits. On Friday, vegetarian power bowls. And on Saturday, caprese pasta with turkey sausage. And then, of course, Sunday is a flex day because I like to leave a day open during my week because we have a lot of things come up. And having that day off just really helps me mentally meal plan, knowing that one of the days I'm not going to have to think about what we're making for dinner. I've decided to share my chili with cornbread biscuits recipe because this chili is inspired by the chili that I grew up with my whole life. And so it's super special to me. And, you know, everyone's chili is a little bit different. I love that this recipe is just a little bit different than someone else's. And the cornbread biscuits are so good and they're so easy. So first, what you're going to need is one pound ground turkey, a half of an onion chopped, three tablespoons chili powder, one teaspoon smoked paprika, one teaspoon salt, one teaspoon pepper, one 15-ounce can diced tomatoes, one 15-ounce can light red kidney beans, one 15-ounce can dark red kidney beans, one 15-ounce can tomato sauce, and then you're going to need some Mexican blend shredded cheese to put on top. And for the biscuits, you're going to need one cup cornmeal, one cup flour, 
one tablespoon baking powder, one teaspoon salt, three tablespoons sugar, a half a cup or one stick of butter melted, and one cup of milk. To get started on the chili, you're going to brown the ground turkey over medium-high heat in a deep soup pot, breaking it up into smaller pieces. Then you're going to add the onion and cook for a couple minutes. Then you add all of the seasonings, the chili powder, paprika, salt, and pepper, and you stir that up. And this is going to release some of the flavor in the seasonings before you add the wet ingredients. So then you add the tomatoes, kidney beans, and tomato sauce. You're going to stir and bring that to a boil, reduce the heat, cover, and let simmer for at least 45 minutes. And the longer you let chili cook down, the better it tastes and the more flavorful it is. So if you have that extra time, go ahead and let it simmer for, you know, 90 minutes to two hours. But if you don't, 45 minutes is just fine. And then when you serve it, you just top it with shredded cheese and any other toppings that you like. For the biscuits, you're going to preheat the oven to 450 degrees. You're going to stir together the cornmeal, flour, baking powder, and salt and sugar. You're going to add the melted butter and the milk and stir until just incorporated. And then you're gonna form them into just roughly shaped balls and place them on a baking sheet. This recipe makes about nine to 12 biscuits. You're gonna bake them for 10 to 12 minutes until they're browned on top, and that is it. This is also the perfect recipe for game day, so you could definitely make this for the big game on Sunday. This week's story comes from my good friend, Kelly Robinson, and she writes, my husband came from a family of foodies. They love to cook together and family gatherings always have a lot of great food. It is a love language for them. My husband started cooking in elementary school and enjoys it very much. I came from a family that favored all the bad parts of food, speed, access, affordability, and sugar. We ate a lot of processed and canned food with extra salt and pepper and often some yummy dessert options. Cooking in my family was a duty, not a delight. As adults, good nutrition is important to us. When we had our first child, I assumed we would buy baby food like I saw people do. My husband suggested we make the food. I thought he was a little crazy. We didn't have hours or extra money to prepare natural or organic baby food. I never considered it. I was shocked to find how easy it was and how great it felt to give our kids fresh fruits and vegetables as their first and only baby food. They all started with avocado. We just mashed it with a fork and added water until it was a consistency they could easily gum down and swallow. They still love avocados. We would just rotate which vegetables we'd cook and blend for them. They loved avocados, sweet potatoes, banana, carrots, squash, and applesauce, and I loved how much money it saved us. One sweet potato or squash or bag of apples would last the whole week. When we traveled with them as babies, we would just bring an avocado or banana with us and mash it up in the airport or restaurant. It felt great to give them such a healthy start and was so much easier than I ever imagined. That is one of my favorite family food stories. Thank you so much for sending that in, Kelly. I think this story is so important, especially for people that still have babies that have yet to start the baby food journey, because I think we can get overwhelmed with all of the equipment out there to make your own baby food, with all of the different opinions out there about how to make the baby food. I think it's just important for moms to know that making your own baby food is affordable and it's quick and it's simple and it is an option for you. 
Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some tips and I hope you have your meals planned for next week because that is the whole point of this podcast. I just want to help. I want to encourage and I want you to know as moms that we've got this. Have a wonderful day, you all, and happy and healthy meal planning.